You're listening to the Clutter Fairy Weekly, a weekly webcast and podcast brought to you by the Clutter Fairy in Houston, Texas. If you'd like to participate in one of our live webcasts, please visit cfhou.com slash weekly. You'll find a calendar of upcoming webcasts, as well as instructions for joining the Zoom meeting via the app or by phone. We'd love to see you. That URL again is cfhou.com slash weekly. Now here's the weekly episode. Enjoy. Hi, Clutter Fairy fans. This is the Clutter Fairy Weekly for December 5th, 2023. I'm your co-host, Ed Gumnick, and I'm speaking with Gail Goddard, certified professional organizer and owner of the Clutter Fairy in Houston, Texas. Hi, everybody. The Clutter Fairy Weekly is the webcast and podcast that digs deep into the clutter that piles up between you and the life that you want to be living. We explore the habits and behaviors that lead to clutter, and we suggest strategies to slow the accumulation, reduce the collection, and comfortably manage the stuff we decide to keep. If you're new to our Zoom meeting, we want to let you know that you can share your comments and questions via the chat, and I'll try to make sure Gail addresses them before we move on to another topic. You can also use the raise hand feature to let us know that you'd like to ask a question or make a comment yourself via audio or video. We're also streaming the webcast live on Facebook, so you can share your questions and comments there, and I'll relay them to Gail. We're going to start by talking about last week's weekly tittle, which was called Making a List, Checking It at Least Twice. (laughs) The assignment was to begin making plans for your 2024 decluttering and organizing journey if you haven't already done so. We'd love to hear from our participants live in Zoom and Facebook. Who selected new organizing goals this week or started making project plans? Please let us know in the comments. Frequent participator and contributor Marsh, who is with us live today for the first time in a while, shared plans she's cooking up for 2024. Marsh writes, my clutter target for 2024 is clear my kitchen floor. I love food and love to eat, but I don't need three refrigerators. I bought a new one that fits my needs for self-care, supports my physical disability, and is so clean and pretty inside. Then she listed three follow-up goals. One, get the old fridge moved out of the kitchen. Two, offer it forward for a family in need to receive. And three, embrace the six by seven foot clear kitchen floor space as I decide how to reorganize my space for nurturing myself. A simple start to this upcoming new year. Marsh, that's a really great goal for the year. Like, of course, having three fridges in the kitchen has got to be taking up a lot of room. So uh, there's a that's a lot of floor space to clear. If you can get the old fridge out of the kitchen, you're going to have a bunch of floor space back. So and move your new one into the correct place. So I'm sure right now the kitchen is really crowded by having an extra fridge in it. And so it's a very similar situation to... Um, the large recliner that your husband had in the in the living room space of your home um, it was a big footprint it took up a lot of room and it needed to be um, sent along to somebody who could use it and you sent it off to somebody who was also big and tall and got a bunch of floor space back so this is a really good goal and it's clean and pretty because it's new and so um, I would add that you uh, put into your resolution for the new year that you try to churn the contents more frequently than you have in the past so that the older stuff the stuff that isn't safe that you're not going to finish gets thrown out more frequently and that occasionally you go in and you know do a wipe down 
<laughs> to give it a little clean. So aim for, you know, not super stuffing the fridge and then doing the clear out process more frequently. So you do smaller batches more often instead of having to wait for wait waiting for a long time and then having to spend a bunch of time um, clearing it out all at once. I think that would be better, easier, manageable for you if you just like, okay, today I'm going to take things off of this shelf that I know I'm not going to eat and I'm going to throw it out and see if it needs to be wiped down and, and never, never have to think of it as a, I got to clean the whole fridge and have it just be, I'm going to clean a little part of this fridge this week and let that be part of your um, new maintenance routine. Good I, luck. I run into the problem that we start needing things and the, ref the refrigerator is still too full of leftovers and things we brought home from the little bit of something we brought home from the restaurant and the produce that's reached a state where it's not shouting at me yet, but it's it has <laughs> to either be close. used or eliminated really soon. And I feel like I shouldn't grocery shop if I haven't purged the fridge. Oh. But then, but then it's like, okay, but then I'm going to have to live without milk or eggs or, you know, the things that, <laughs> that you run out of for right? however many days. Well, when you come home with new stuff, like it needs to go into the fridge, right? That's part of keeping it. And so it can't sit out for a day and a half while you, you know, clear out space. But I guess, you know, if it's something that in order to put the new eggs and milk in, <laughs> you have to clear out some space to make it happen. Like it sort of forces you to do a little bit, right? Well, and Marsh just confessed, hence my former three fridges. <laughs> and I, and yeah, and I, I guess I should confess as well. We, we've got a spare fridge in the garage. And so I can just shuffle stuff into there if I want to grocery shop without doing the fridge purge first. Right. But, you know, the the thing about leftovers and, you know, the pieces that you brought home from the restaurant, like if, we, if you don't churn it right away, if you don't eat a leftover within a week, <laughs> you're not going to eat it. Like, yeah. it's, that's it. You've already made your judgment call that, like, I've had enough of that. I'm not interested in that anymore. And so acknowledge it. And I have to tell you that it, it's one of the things that I find very, you know, I live alone. I don't want to waste food. And so I end up eating things. I'm like, oh, fine. I have to eat this because it's here <laughs> instead of I'm eating something that I enjoy and like. And so man, there's a little bit of, yeah, food is sustenance. This is food. This counts. This, yeah. Therefore, I'm going to eat it. <laughs> it wasn't, I but didn't it, enjoy it, but at least I'm not fun. hungry anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, you know, and it's not in my fridge anymore. And it's not in my trash. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, um, Jane says, my goal for this week is to get all the already identified donations dropped off. That way I'll mm. start fresh with my 2024 garage and one in, two out 2024 goals. That's awesome. Go for it. Because those trips are just going to be, you know, one and done. You're going to put it in the car and half an hour, 45 minutes later, you're going to be coming home with nothing in the car. So I know it's an annoyance, but you made it a priority and you have a plan. And so go forth and execute the plan. <laughs> Make those things disappear. And you're going to really be happy when you come home and look at that empty space. That's the feeling that I have after I've emptied the car of donations. Because my car has always got donations coming in. <laughs> I'm always right. adding donations to my car. And so when I go and I drop off and I'm like, oh, the back seat's empty again. 
I get an oh. immense, yeah, I get a great satisfaction out of that. It's like, oh, I can see my car again. <laughs> M says, I am on the home stretch of making the living room tidy enough for family and friends. Ooh, that's exciting. Just in time for a holiday visit. So go team go. She says, I think that was last year's resolution. Maybe this year's should be to maintain it. Mm. And, you know, have some friends over to sit in your living room. Now that you've got it, you know, done, enjoy the, enjoy the effort. You, you made all the effort so that it was clear. And so make a point of inviting somebody in for coffee and cookies or something well, and, you know, sit with somebody in your space. And maybe one of M's uh, 2024 goals could be to cultivate a living room reset habit. Yes, you know, absolutely. At the, at, the, at the end of each evening or certain designated evenings during the week. You mm-hmm. put everything back the the into the lovely arrangement you got it into. Yeah, like reset it to make it look pretty again. Yeah, that's a great idea. Linda says, I clear out the fridge on garbage night once a week. Keeps it from getting out of control. That's what I should do. That is what you should do. Every time you have to take trash, that is definitely something that I do. As you say that out loud, when when I am making the trash to go to the curb, the day that trash has to go out, I definitely, I'm taking that bag out of the bin and I'm looking in the fridge to see what I can add into it. The only 100%. problem I run into, the, run into there is that our trash day is Monday and Sunday is already kind of catch up on everything I didn't get done all week day, you know, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Okay. Yeah. We should get on to our go main topic. Can we really call it a main topic? It's a whole lot of little topics. Yeah, we, have, right. we have a lot. We have a lot. I We've prepared- we we went through your survey responses and we've we went back through some uh, chat transcripts and questions that people have sent us through the through the website and we put together a list and Gail has prepared answers for for a lot of them and some of them we're going to just uh, answer on the fly and some of them I'll probably sur- surprise her with in the middle so that we get really <laughs> candid responses from her. <laughs> So we'll see how it goes. Um, Let me give the introduction I wrote, which Hmm. says, it's been a while since we focused a complete episode on answering the questions you share with us in our surveys, live chat, email, social media, and website. We're always ready to listen, and we're eager to tackle the tough questions and issues that are giving you fits. Today, we're going to answer viewer and listener questions and discuss short topics suggested by you, our audience, on past surveys and through all our other channels. Those burning desires. That's what we're going to talk about today. Let's start with this one from Karen. Karen says, why can't I see decluttering as necessary self-care? Isn't that an interesting, I mean, it's a very interesting thought in that decluttering, managing your stuff is a chore and reframing it to think of it as necessary self-care is something that we talk about here a lot at the Clutter Ferry because the person that benefits from doing the work is you, but that doesn't really make it any more fun <laughs> to do. If you're not into decluttering, then, you know, it's not really, it's still a chore for you. And so I think that there's, <clears throat> this is just like when you are contemplating eating, eating in a more healthy manner, eating healthy food versus eating junk. And, you know, it's the long-term effects of eating healthy foods are that you are healthier and you feel better and you, you know, you manage your weight and all that kind of blood sugar and all that kind of stuff. But those are sort of long-term results. 
And the short-term result is that you're eating something that you don't really like as much. And so there's a, there's a, a the, the aspect of self-care is that it is really a long-term goal that you're taking care of yourself over the long haul. And the immediate gratification of, I would rather watch a movie than go declutter the kitchen counter is that in that moment, the immediate gratification is let's go sit down. It's always an adjustment for us as humans to think about the long range goal consciously and choose that long range goal instead of focusing on the immediate gratification. And, you know, it's part, little kids are all about the immediate gratification and grownups have to talk ourselves into a few more long-term goals. But I also think that it's, there's an, uh, there's a level of um, when you've been battling and you don't quite, when you get to the end result where you see some reward for having focused on it for so long, or, you know, you spend the day working on a project and then you have a clear area there, the reward is delayed, but it can still happen in the, you know, in the time frame of when you're working that you can see the benefit of what you've done, maybe not immediately, but within several hours of what you have been working on. And so um, sometimes it's just a matter of sticking with it long enough to go, oh my gosh, look at this clear space and, and recognize that, you know, some part of your brain is always going to go, yeah, yeah, but look at all that 97% that we didn't work on. And, and you have to come back to, yes, but I took care of myself today by working on this area and this area is clear. Do you have anything to add here, Ed? Well, you know, and I, and I read the question, why can't I see decluttering as necessary self-care? My go-to response was because you weren't raised to see decluttering as necessary self-care. Mm. You were taught that it was... Um, a deficiency of some kind because you know you have clutter because you're lazy you have clutter because you're careless or you're greedy or there's something wrong wrong with you and i think you may have to shake off things that people told you about your clutter and why you have clutter and say you know come up with healthier things to say to yourself about it clutter is a byproduct of my busy and active life mm-hmm. clutter is just clutter is 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 just a a side effect of doing things I enjoy and having things I want. And so managing it is, uh, is a healthy response. It's not a response to, it's not fixing a problem. Yeah. It's not fixing a problem. It's optimizing your life and your space. Mm, I think that's true. Something like that. Yeah. 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 I mean, self-care is definitely, Necessary self-care self-care and focusing on self-care is a shift in mindset. And we don't always want or think about taking care of ourselves, what will be in the, our own best interest in the long term and being more conscious about thinking about what is self-care that I need, what is a way that I can take care of myself, where um, in the past I have been ignoring my own needs or ignoring what is good for me or what is helpful for me to to live and enjoy my life and so it is definitely what i would find beautiful what i would find Mm. appealing yeah all of that and so i think you're definitely looking at i need to shift the way that i see what i'm doing and evaluate its success or uh, results that benefit me and being conscious about it for a while it comes first, right? You have to be conscious about changing the way that you think about it. Let's go on to a question from 
Danny. Danny wants to know how to manage a switch in the way we automatically think and do stuff without even noticing. And this is an interesting question. Yeah. So Danny's asking about habits. Right. Exactly. And I think um, the first thing is to, like, what you made the point that you do things without even noticing. And and the point is you have to pick an area that you want to pay attention to and stop and consciously walk through that area or walk through that habit or routine. And the one that comes to mind is we all come home from work or whatever we're out during the day doing. We come home and we have a process of coming in the house, putting things down. Maybe we have things in our hands and we go and do something with those. And then we go and change clothes or you know, blah, blah, blah. You got to figure out what that process is and acknowledge that some part of that process is contributing to clutter because you're being unconscious and then making a choice as you're standing at the front door, for instance, and say, okay, I'm going to think about and pay attention to what I'm doing as I go. Watch it like a movie. I'm watching myself like a movie, walk through the house and do stuff and notice oh, this is where I drop my keys and that's a problem. <laughs> oh, this is where I dump all the mail on the kitchen counter and that creates a problem. Oh, this is where I take off my clothes and I don't actually hang them back up and that creates a mess on the floor. And so you can pick a process or an area that you do things where you you know that there's a problem because it looks backed up and you can ask yourself, okay, at what point am I going to stop and think about what I'm actually doing when I walk through this area or why does stuff end up in here? Where's it coming from? And the idea of picking an area and then thinking your way through consciously what's contributing to the mess is something well, you that, do one space at a time. Well, it could be one space at a time. It can also be one piece of time at a time. Mm. So it might be that your prop, your day goes off the rails in the morning so look at your morning routines, yeah, the morning, morning habits, and maybe even take a piece of paper and just just jot a word or two about I did I I did this I did this I did this I did this, and then later when you get to work and you don't have the thing you're supposed to have, you can kind of kind of see well here's how it here's how my day started. Where would the place be to organize the stuff that's going with me to work? Where should that go? Yeah, the first step to managing a switch in your automatic behavior is to is to notice what you're doing without noticing. Yeah, yeah, to stop and pay conscious attention. And the truth is, we can't be consciously attentive all the time. So right. you're going to go through this sort of forced exercise of, okay, I'm now going to pay attention to what I do when I come in the house, or I'm going to pay attention to what I do in the morning while I'm getting ready. And I want to keep that in mind and make notes as I go and get clear what you're doing so that you can then think your way. Well, clearly this unconscious process of automatic things isn't working and I need to make some changes here to make it work better. And then you're going to end up in that place of this piece. When I go into this room and do this thing, causes me problems later in the day or it causes me to forget this or it causes me to skip breakfast or you know fill in the blank there's places where you're going to notice that it affects you negatively and then making a plan about okay i want to do something differently instead <laughs> figure out what that is and start trying to do it okay um jane from saskatchewan asked how does one gently help someone if their home is dangerous due to clutter that's a good question. And um, it is it is definitely something that 
as we get older and it becomes more, uh, our, our ability to move around becomes uh, more interrupted. Um, we're a little bit more compromised. Then I think talking to somebody about mitigating their risk for safety, <clears throat> I'm talking to them about improving access for uh, emergency personnel to come in if they need help and improving uh, their pathways. You know, like if the house is on fire and they need to be able to get out quickly and easily. So you can talk about your house is a cluttered mess and we need to fix it. <laughs> you can talk about, and we want to mitigate your safety risks. We want to make sure that emergency people can get to you easily with their equipment, that you can get out of the house if there is a fire and you need to safely exit the house without that, getting hurt. That you're safe and comfortable <laughs> while you're in the house. Right, that you can navigate the hallways and the pathways without trip hazards and without, uh, if you fall down, you don't want to fall and then like take a tower stuff out with you and have it fall on top of you. So there's a risk management to be done so that movement in, in and around the house is safe. And if there is an accident or you trip or you fall or you, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you can look at what would make that trip or fall worse or better. Uh, what would make it easier for you to get up once you're down? Um, that kind of stuff. The kitchen and the bathroom are places where bacteria are, you know, particularly prevalent. And so managing the kitchen and the bathroom so that they're not a challenge to your, their safety is not threatened by, you know, growing bacteria, dead things, bad food, fill in the blank. So <clears throat> it's all about mitigating risk to health and physical well-being. And usually if you're talking about that, I want it to be safe for you to walk down this hallway if you have to get out in a fire. If the EMTs are coming with a stretcher to come in and help you, they can't get their thing down this hallway. It's too narrow. There's too much stuff in the way. And it would make it very hard for them to come and provide emergency services to you. And a lot of times uh, no one has thought about that, really. They haven't contemplated if an EMT and a, and a cart and a crash cart shows up in front of my front door, how are they going to get to me when I'm in the back of the house or in the bedroom or in the basement or whatever? Can they get to me? And if they haven't thought about it before, giving them the opportunity to think about it will help them imagine that things need to be shifted. And I also say in terms of what you are actually going to do, there's often um, very uh, haphazardly stacked stuff and maybe there's a lot of, you know, empty boxes and that kind of stuff sort of stacked around in ways that are not, it wasn't thought out or very strategically planned how things would be stacked. And so putting things in boxes and stacking them more safely and carefully. So the weight um, is toward the bottom and yeah, yeah. All that kind of stuff. Tapered toward the top. Yeah. And, and there's not a big box on top of a little box, you know? <laughs> and so um, rearranging them by to gain space, rearranging things to make them stack more securely, not be as tall and, um, clear and with the goal of clearing the pathways and making the floor more accessible is um is another thing you can do for them and you know don't remove or give anything away don't get anything out of there without permission so if it's all about uh, you can't have my stuff fine okay then, but let me you know let me rearrange how these things are stacked so that that stack is safer let or it's pushed back against the wall or it's 
doesn't have a bunch of empty boxes in the middle of it, or, you know, you can, you can gain some safety um, just by rearranging how things are stacked instead of a big pile, you can put it in a box and stack the box in the corner so that you're not giving anything away, but you're also mitigating um, the floor space that it's taking up and making it less, um, less of a, a health hazard. Well, I was going to add that she says, how does one gently help? I think you're on the right track by say, suggesting that you want to do it gently. You yes. want to bring, you want to bring your compassion and the best version of yourself possible. So make sure you don't try to do this work when you're tired or have a lot on your mind. If you're going to help somebody else, you need to be there for them. Be fresh. Be fresh and bring your compassion and no judgment and and keep telling yourself, I'm doing this for your health and safety. And tell them too, you know, mm-hmm. your your health and safety are what I'm concerned about. I I don't care about your piles of stuff. I want you to be okay. And you may care about the piles of stuff. And it may, right. you may find it, you know, crazy making that their house is a wreck. But if you are getting resistance and someone is unsafe, then focusing on their own safety is more likely to get through than you complaining bitterly about their house is a wreck. Right. Right. If complaining about their house is a wreck would work. And then we would all have really clean houses. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm sure you've already had those conversations and that's the one that they're expecting. So um, giving that up as an approach and recognizing that you're probably not going to get what you want around that, that, that really you can focus on it. Um, more achievable goal of making sure that that person is safe. All right. B asked us to weigh in on her crafting dilemma. (laughs) Buy more of to finish the project or make a smaller or scrappy project to finish off the supplies. So (laughs) it's hard for me to say, yeah, you should just go buy some more products. Go buy more stuff. (laughs) Go buy more stuff. Like (laughs) it's kind of anti clutter fairy. (laughs) But I see the point. Like, do you, uh, you you need, you ran out of supplies, you need more to finish it. So I guess the first question I would really want to ask is, how do you feel about this project really? Like, why is it not finished? Yeah. Why is it not finished up till now? Is it really that? you don't have the supplies or did you kind of lose interest? And so, you know, I'd, I'd want to know how long has the project been sitting there unfinished? Um, Does it still appeal to you at all? Like ask yourself, yes, I put a bunch of effort into it and I got it this far. Am I better off handing it off to someone else to complete? Or do I really still am interested in it and I still want to finish it myself? So answer that question. And before you go buy more supplies, I guess, you know, if the implication here is that you have to have more supplies to finish it and you've decided that you really do want to finish it yourself, that you haven't lost interest, it's still important to you, then I guess going to buy enough supplies to finish it is a reasonable thing. If you have lost interest in the project, if it's not something that you feel super compelled to complete, and that's why it's been sitting around because you really haven't been bothered or interested in going to make it happen then maybe you you want to make a smaller project or you want to use up the supplies on something. I love the scrappy project. You want to <laughs> use something that uses up the scraps, right? And so you can do that too. But ultimately, you don't want to create a project that you don't want to finish. And if you 
have a project already that isn't finished and you don't want to finish it, then the better solution is to think about who would take this and want to finish it, who would take this project and complete it. Or do I want to stop here and reclaim the pro reclaim the supplies um, that can be reclaimed and move on? Do I want to take it apart and start over? Sometimes you rip it apart. Beaters do that and we call it frogging because it's like we're going to rip it. <laughs> so ripping it, frogging it is tearing it apart and reclaiming the beads and, you know, destroying the, the work that we did and starting over. And <clears throat> everybody has some version of that. You know, if you don't like the painting, you can paint it black and start over, <laughs> paint it white and start over on the canvas. There's ways to reclaim the supplies yeah. on some level. So CE said, I need system suggestions to begin organizing paperwork after I'm done shredding and trashing all that's not needed. And Karen wrote, I always need new ways and reminders of old ways for paper decluttering. Now we talked a lot about paper on occasion, so we're just going to briefly touch on our favorite philosophy, would you call it? Right. Strategy. Categorizing, yes. Um, we often tell people to don't make your, don't try to make a filing system that's too complicated. Aim for bigger buckets first. We use that bigger bucket um, analogy very uh, intentionally. Think of it as a big bucket, meaning a big category or big topic. So instead of I have three cars in the house and each car has a file for repair and each car has a file for insurance and each car has a file for ownership. Maybe you have one file that is for all the car, everything about the cars and you put all that stuff in a big bucket, creating larger capacity categories, broader categories means that more things will go into that category and you can subset it later. You can make it into smaller pieces later if you want or not. Or not. You can leave it. And when you have to retrieve a piece of paper, you go into the car bucket to find the thing related to the car that you care about. And so we just sort of postponing a little organizing work. And when it comes to paper, you spend so much time looking at all the paper and making your decisions and going through and creating what's shredding and what's trashing. I'm getting rid of all the old stuff first. It takes a lot of time and man hours. It's, it's a very labor intensive process. And so when you get to the filing part of the keep stuff, when you're trying to keep up with what you've decided is necessary, um, then dumping into a really elaborate, many step, many stage, many file folder collection is a deterrent because that just is really takes a whole lot more time. So <clears throat> aim for, you know, here's the house, here's the car, here's my hobby, here's some bigger bucket collections, here's the taxes. So that you can subset that keep pile into five, six, ten buckets. One of the buckets is going to be miscellaneous because there's some buckets that are big and make sense. And then there's going to be a few little outliers that don't make sense and they can just be miscellaneous. At least get them sorted into those five or ten buckets. And that's at least a step that you can live with and stop if you have to walk away. And then... As you go about your life, if you want to come back and take the car bucket and break it into car insurance and car repairs or something, you can do that. Uh, that level of subsetting can happen later. But in the beginning, just try to make some big categories and separate everything you're keeping into some big categories, and including if, miscellaneous. And if you're really, really 
filing averse, if you really have a difficult time with filing, then you it could be as simple as two buckets. One is these are the things, these are the kinds of things that I sometimes need to look at again. And these are the things that I save because you're supposed to save them, but I it never have, records. but I never look at them again. Mm-hmm. You could manage with just those two if 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 that's all you have the threshold As a first for. first sorting, right? Yeah yeah. 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 That's a very good point. Because, because you don't want to, because if you frequently, you know, want to look at the kids' reports, report cards, you don't want them buried in the utility bills that you never look at again to, for forever, you know? Exactly. Exactly. That's a very good point because there's a whole lot of stuff that we keep because we th- think we need to, right? Like the closing documents from when you bought your house, like you keep those because you still own the house and it's evidence of that transaction, but you, are you never, never have to them. go in it. Yeah. You never have to go in there. So yeah. it doesn't need to be mixed in with a bunch of other stuff that is more um, active. So I think that's a very valuable point, Ed. Separate the things that you actively have to get in and out of from the things that you're just saving as historical records. And that'll, that'll you know, cut a swath right there between is, the middle of it. It's going to save you a ton of time if if you recognize that there are things that you want to keep but you're never going to look at them again you'll you'll save a lot of time by not yeah, putting separating a lot of energy that out. into those yeah mm-hmm. 100% okay m asked have you ever had to give up a hobby or favorite pastime because it created a clutter problem if so were you glad you gave it up and mm-hmm. did not miss it at all or did you go back to it for the pleasure and satisfaction it offered and for me um i can't say that i've had to give something up because of the clutter it created but i've changed the way i approach some things like i love to cook and i have i once had a really substantial collection of cookbooks but i acknowledged at some point that i don't cook from cookbooks right (laughs) from the odd recipe here and there but mostly i cook from my own experience and instinct so i don't need an exhaustive supply of cookbooks. I really don't. Right. Uh, now I did like, I would like to try painting probably acrylic because I don't want to have to clean st- stinky brushes with oil, oil uh, paints. Right, right, right. But um, I just don't have the space in my current house because you have to have some access to water close to where you're working and you have to have room for things to sit around drying and, all of that. And so you paint I've, on an easel and it, it has a big footprint. And yeah, so I've just sort of made the choice to not do that for now. I'll try that when we move into a bigger space where I can have a an art studio, but I don't do it here. Well, and, you? and you, the paper stuff, you've, you've defaulted to be created by doing the pencil right. paperwork. Yeah. Which you can manage the supplies and you can still be creative. You're just doing it in a different medium that's easier for you to manage right now. Right. Uh, Linda says, I retired from scrapbooking to the, due to the associated clutter. And I'm fine with that decision. Doing something similar in digital form has scratched that itch. Oh, there you go. See, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Substitution, right? For me, it was a substitution as well, because um, I do like to read and I had a lot of books, physical books, and I have, it's down to, you know, two bookcases. And I really shifted to, instead of buying books 
to uh, e-reading instead. So I have an mm-hmm. e-reader and I read stuff that way so that it's so because I didn't want to have an ever expanding, you know, book people keep books and then they have an ever expanding library that just keeps growing. And I did not want to have that um, anchor in the house. I didn't, it was, it felt like a lot of clutter to me for an ever expanding collection of books. And so e-reading the invention of e-reading made it possible for me to stop buying physical books and read digitally instead. And, and I have not missed, um, you know, trying to manage and I'm still, I still have books that I think, you know, now it's time to let go of them again. I can shrink the library some more. I'm fine with the adjustment to e-reading is what I'm saying. It works for me. Right. Yeah. Me too. And, and, and a lot of people, a lot of book lovers really love the physical books and to, mm-hmm. ha- to hold a book in their hands. And I enjoy that as much as the next guy, but my vision is, is not that good. And so I find it easier to read on my I- iPad than physical books. I need too much light to read a book on paper mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I can use the iPad in any light yeah, and be like super bright, exactly. Yeah. Deb asked how to make clutter clearing enjoyable. It seems we talk about the effort, planning, and discipline most of the time. It's true, we do. Um, if you think of clutter clearing as a chore, then you really have to find ways to add entertainment to the process. And so um, you can add music that you like, listen to podcasts while you do it. Uh, some people put movies on in the background, movies that they're you're familiar with so that you sort of know what's happening, what the action is without having to look at it and concentrate <laughs> really hard so that you can tell, you know, if it's a movie that you've seen a lot, then no matter what's you can see, hear a little piece of dialogue and you know where you are in the story and you don't feel like you're missing anything. And so you can also add a friend to work with you. You just need to make sure it's a non-judgmental friend <laughs> because you don't want to add somebody that makes you, uh, you know, feel bad or that you get into an argument with about stuff. So Definitely you want it not. to be, yeah. The tag teaming is a great idea. Having somebody else there with you, but it needs to be somebody that you are comfortable with and that you feel is being, um, can be non-judgmental with you about it. That's and if they're not, thing. if they're not helping out, you know, they could be doing their knitting or something. And, right. and then every time they start to start to sound like they're critiquing your decluttering, then you start commenting on the quality of their knitting. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that as a strategy. Okay. <laughs> well, no, I, but, but but seriously, uh, the other right. thought I had was um, distract them. <laughs> game, the other thought I had was gamify it because mm-hmm. anything that I have to do that I don't especially want to do, I will find a way to, to turn it into a game, a competition with myself, making I, and lists, you've done that very I, successfully. lists I can check off or a log file that I can write entries in or uh, some sort of a tally to make sure that I, that I am winning my decluttering. Right. Or like, winning my, winning my, financial paperwork right that's my uh that's my beast right i have that problem too yeah and it really being enjoyable having clutter clearing be enjoyable is doing uh, doing something at the same time that you do find enjoyable like listening to music or a podcast or whatever being with a friend and then also recognizing that you know clearing clutter for seven hours 
it's going to be a lot harder to maintain as fun versus I'm going to do it for 90 minutes. And you can probably keep a better attitude about it if you do it in shorter bites and more frequently. And so I would look at the time that you're doing it in one shift and see at what point do you start being super annoyed by clutter clearing and stop generally before you get that far. Yeah. Figure out, figure out your threshold Mm -hmm. and allow your, don't forget to allow yourself time to clean up. So if it's going to take you 10 minutes to put away everything you pulled out and you know, you're going to crash and burn at noon, then stop working at 1145 Right. And put stuff away because it's going to take you more than the 10 minutes you think it's going to take. To put right. Everything away. <laughs> exactly. That's 100% true. Um, you could also bring the Marie Kondo magic. And as you're decluttering, put some effort into appreciating the stuff, the stuff mm-hmm. that you're keeping and the stuff that you're letting go. Mm-hmm. Thank, thank the things that you're letting go and throw them in the donation box. Right. Um, you know, allow yourself to feel all the good the good feelings about the stuff that even though you don't use it anymore you you used to and it was fun and now you can let it go might feel less like a chore if Mm -hmm. you crank up your gratitude to the highest level you can right to be focused on that that's a very good point thank you that is a very good point gratitude makes it feel better here's a really interesting one that is definitely for you not me evelyn said i've often seen decluttering tv shows where they say things like you have to get rid of for example 70 percent of your stuff if you look at a crowded space how do you know what percentage you have to declutter so i've i have done this work long enough that i can look at a space and tell yeah this is this room is overstuffed by this amount and um, make that percentage call sort of in my head pretty quickly but generally what I'm doing is I'm looking at the cube that is your room. It's a cube, right? Uh, floor, ceiling, four walls. It's a cube. How full is that cube? How densely stuffed is that cube? And you are aiming to make the room more functional and easier to manage. And so if you see that the cube, the cubic volume is full, like there's stuff on the floor and there's stacks that are starting to get up towards your head and there's when the volume of the cube is getting full, you're beyond comfortable functional capacity. You're now in a storage zone. You've stored the stuff in, in the room instead. And so dialing it back to what is functional, I can use the room. I can use the furniture in the room. I can use the storage systems in the room. So back to where it's functional and that it's easy to manage and maintain after you do something in there. Can you put things away? Is it easy to clean up? Can somebody come and vacuum the floor? Like you want to aim for how much do I have to subtract for the room to be functional and easy to maintain? And don't worry about the percentages. (laughs) Don't worry about what percentage of stuff you have to get rid of. Just worry about at what point can I reclaim the functionality of the room? And and lots of people do. We talk about clearing the on, you know, peeling the onion. They go into the room and they they pull out a certain amount of stuff and go, oh, that's so much better. 
but then they live with it for a while and they realize, oh, I didn't quite get enough. There's more. I need to have more removed in order to make this room function better. And so they come and take another round and pull about another collection of stuff out. Um, if you have to do it in stages, that's not a big deal. But the goal is really, I mean, I, they're saying that on, you know, you have to get rid of 70% of your stuff. And the implied end of that sentence is in order for the space to look nice, in order for the room to function well, in order for you to be able to maintain it. That's the end of the sentence that they don't always say. But that's what the goal is. And everybody has a different level of crowdedness and and stuffness of a space that they're willing to live with. Uh, what I think is comfortable and pleasing may not be what you think is comfortable and pleasing, but you can certainly recognize when it's easier to to move around and use the room versus there's barriers to you getting into the room or barriers to using the functioning the furniture and the storage in the room and so dial it down until you feel like you can use the room better that's the goal excellent let's uh, uh answer a question that came from the chat, which is how do we access this and older recordings? Why don't you hold up our YouTube sign? I will. Let we have a it. YouTube channel, which you can find by going to cfhou.com slash YouTube. Uh, there it is. <laughs> and that includes most of the recordings we've ever made since we started recording things in about 2013. We've taken down some of the older ones that it were, were awful particularly bad audio quality and yeah. uh, uh but there tech are issues. we've taken down the shows that have tech issues there are hundreds, <laughs> hundreds and hundreds for you to watch there's like 300 in there almost i think now something so, like that yeah it's quite shocking um that we've <laughs> we've been talking for that long but there's plenty to be had so all right i think we have time for a couple more um okay c this one's just initial c <laughs> says, I am quite certain that many in our family, including my partner, are chronically disorganized. Is it too late at 70 to change or learn? Of course not. It's never too late. And it, it, will you become a completely different person in a month? No. But it's certainly, you don't have to make very huge shifts. You can make incremental changes and those incremental changes can still have a big difference in how you interact with your stuff and how you, uh, how you organize your space, how you think about your space. And so, no, it's not too late, never too late. You can always make small shifts. You can always make the small changes that make that over time accumulate to big differences in how you live in your space. So don't, don't ever feel like you can't learn. And be accepting of the fact that you are not going to 100% change everything about yourself and your personality and your tendencies and your person, <laughs> the, the choices that you make overnight. Like you can't flip into a completely different person in six months, but you can certainly let go yeah. of bad habits, learn, learn some new, new habits. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like you can, you know, you can add and make changes that will absolutely benefit you and impact your surroundings in a positive way. And it doesn't have to be something big. All right. Let's see. How about Amy? Amy says, for those of us who have an interest in doing professional organizing, how physical is the job? What are reasonable boundaries to set? I would love to help people declutter and organize, but I'm not interested 
in getting into the moving business, LOL. <laughs> yeah. So there, there is a subset of people in professional organizing who do specialize in move management because move management is a hassle. It's a project, you know, moving is a big project and not everybody wants to manage that job. So organizers are good at it and, you know, we can make all the pieces happen and um, help with packing, help with unpacking, um, changing services, setting up, you know, all the shelf liners or uh, getting the pictures hung or getting the piano moved, you know, all the things that go about um, making a move hard. Um, organizers are great at doing it, but not everybody wants to specialize in that area. You don't have to do that for sure. And and typically I don't do packing much because it's easier to let the movers pack at the end. I offer my time as we declutter up front so that you don't pack anything you don't want to actually have at the other end. And then I'm, uh, it's good to insert me in the unpacking process so that the house gets set up in a functional way from the beginning. And so I interact with move management in that way. I, I narrow the scope of what I'm willing to do. But generally, um, being an organizer is a physical job. You are being the substitute um, body for the most for your clients. Or their a extra your, pair of arms. Right, right. So the, the client is going to, some of your clients are going to have mobility issues. They're going to have strength issues. They're going to have health issues. And that's part of why they've lost control or why they need support. And so uh, you are being uh, the substitute stair climber, box carrier, yeah, object mover, <laughs> furniture mover. Um, th there is some, it is a physical job. Um, so you, you need to be in relatively good shape to do it. I, I'm not in great shape, but I mean, you need to be willing to move around and lift and carry things. You have to have decent mobility. Right. And, you know, you can add in support staff. I got to have movers. I need somebody to come and pick up a piece of furniture and move it around. Like I can't sling everything around. Right. So there's some point at which I have to in, in, include people that can actually physically lift things I cannot. But generally, you're going to spend a lot of time diving in and moving stuff around, pulling trash out, hauling things to the, you know, stuff in the recycle bin, <laughs> taking trash out to the trash can, putting things in the car to drive to donation. So you're, you become this as an organizer, you become the substitute errand runner, you become the substitute process manager. And so you end up doing a lot of the physical work that the client isn't willing or isn't able to do themselves. And the boundaries I set around that are appointment time. Like I don't, you know, I go, I come and I work for three hours and then at the end of three hours, I'm gone. So whatever we get done in that three hours is what gets done. I'm not going to um, push the client to stay focused for longer than that, unless they absolutely have some kind of deadline. So, uh, you know, a move clearly has a deadline when the movers are coming, then that's the deadline. But Generally, I'm working with people that we're doing it at whatever pace they can manage, and we do it in three-hour increments, and we keep going until we get to where we need to go, and however long that takes is however long it takes. So um, you can set boundaries around how often, how much time you spend with a client. You can set boundaries around how many clients you see a day or a week so that you're not uh, overwhelmed. I have a lot of trouble with this because I think it's fun to declutter. I think it's fun to do my work. I love my job. And so I give away my free time more than I should, 
when it's busy and I have a lot of clients that need my attention and time and I don't have any more free space and I start giving up my own um, free time to go and do stuff with people. And then I pay for it later because then I'm fried. So <laughs> it is, it is a, a management issue that I have to focus on consciously and like, okay, I need to block off some time. I need a weekend off. I need a, a day off instead of no days off. Like, yeah. I'm in one uh, of those streaks right now where uh, there's, there's, hasn't been a lot of time no off. No days now. off until you fly away. Yeah. Yeah. Or drive away. Drive away. Um, exactly. Tammy asked, is every, is every organizer's minimum three hours? You I know? would say generally something around that. Yes. I mean, you have to think about the person has to drive to you. Like you can't, <clears throat> you can't declutter without arriving at your space, right? In order to do your stuff, we got to come to you. So there's drive time and then work time, and then they have to drive away. And so and they might have stuff to haul off on their way yeah, out yeah, as well. Yeah. And so it's not really cost effective to come and and like do an hour and then leave again um, in terms of time management and making it effective for an organizer as a business. It might be more comfortable for you to do 90 minutes or an hour, but it's it's the it's the crisscross between how long a client can function and what makes it worth the effort to drive? If I have to drive 45 minutes to you, I'm not going to want to just stay for an hour and then drive away again. And there's a certain amount of, like I said, it's physical work. And there's a certain amount of how much can you really get done? How far can you really get done in an hour? If um, I'm just digging in, in the first hour. And so um, it would be, it would make the sense of progress really small. And it would mean that I have to, unscramble something, work on it and put things back and be done in an hour. So it would have to be a very small incremental very project to get yeah. complete in that hour. And so, you know, from a standpoint of you want to, you want the client to feel like they had a win. It, there needs to be at least enough time for me to dig in and tackle something. <clears throat> and I certainly am not going to dig in and leave it a mess and walk away from your house. Like I can't leave it worse than when I got there. So all of that to say, I think that's why organizers generally work for two or three hours as a minimum so that there's some visible result you can get from a start to an end point. There's something uh, that looks improved when you walk away. Any suggestions on how to, if somebody is on a tight budget and you know can only bring in an organizer once in a blue moon, how can what how can that person prepare is there stuff they could do in advance of your meeting to really get the most bang for their buck sure i think um if you know that there's a lot of trash and recycling pull it out even if you don't know what to do with what's left if you just pull out the stuff that's easy for you to see and manage um you don't i can decide you can decide i think this is trash and then take the trash out uh, this is recycling. Let me go put it in the recycle bin. <clears throat> you can clear out those obvious obstacles that are easy for you to make choices about. And that would help. Uh, and then also think about what is a priority to you in terms of what area of the house is making me the most crazy. Like maybe you can't afford to have an organizer come and work with you continuously to get the whole house done. But if you have an area of the house that makes you insane or you feel really overwhelmed by, it, or you feel really stuck about, or you like use the professional to come and help you in the places where you find that your skills are seriously not up to the task so that they can help you 
talk through the stuff that's making you cry when you work on it, or they can help you rearrange the kitchen so that it functions better because the kitchen makes you crazy every day. Focus their efforts on what will be them your highest choice. If you had to say of all the things in the house, this is the thing that makes me the most crazy, or this is the one that will give me the most relief and let them work on that area for you so that then you have the win of that area improved and you can spend your time on areas that aren't at the top of the list. Exactly. Okay. We are out of time, Um, but I think we should come back next week and keep going with this list because we had some great questions we didn't even get to yeah we got to number 10 out of you know 20 many many (laughs) right i all there are also some more i want to touch on like are we going for functional or aesthetically pleasing in our homes i really Mm -hmm. like that question so we'll be back next week uh that is tuesday december 12th at the usual time noon u.s central and we'll be taking more of your questions and uh short topics that don't quite merit a full episode. Gail, why don't you give us the tittle? Okay, so this week, the tittle is called the worst case scenario. And a respondent to one of our surveys suggested we talk about how to get past decluttering mistakes. We decided to turn this idea upside down and make it into a tittle. So your assignment is to contemplate and evaluate a potential decluttering mistake. Identify an item that you've been considering eliminating but about which you still have reservations. The item should be something that you don't currently want, need, or use, but you haven't talked yourself into letting it go yet. You're still hesitant or worried about letting it go, like letting go, it might be a mistake. Make a list of the reasons that you might want, you might find yourself wanting, needing, or using the object in the future. And then next, consider the costs involved in keeping the item and start by answering these questions. How much space does it take up in my home? What is the maintenance and cleaning requirements of this object? And is there someone else who could be using the item right now? Then imagine how you'd manage your future want or need if you decided to get rid of this item. Answer these questions. How easily could you replace it? Do you have something else that would make a reasonable substitute for it? If you gave away something and you actually have something else that would work instead of it. How serious a problem would it be to make do without the item? Is it really a crisis? And then finally, reflect on whether your thoughts and feelings about this item to have changed now that you've gone through this process. Do you feel more ready or less ready to part with the item? I think a lot of times we don't ask ourselves this basic question which is if i gave this thing up and i needed it later what's the worst thing that could happen <laughs> what's the worst thing that could happen what drama is really going to take place if i can't if i don't have that item can i really not recover and i think 99.9 percent of the time you absolutely can recover and it doesn't necessarily involve having to spend money to recover there's always another way so Reminding yourself about that, thinking through about anything that you're hesitating about. That's what we're wanting you to look at and see if you can make a little mind shift around that. All right. If you're watching this on YouTube, we would love for you to join us live. To get notifications about upcoming events, we invite you to join the meetup group by visiting cfhou.com slash meetup. You can also follow us on Facebook by visiting cfhou.com slash Facebook. Or join our mailing list by visiting cfhou.com slash subscribe. 
We love to hear from you, so please keep your questions, comments, and topic suggestions coming on YouTube, Facebook, or anywhere that you find us. You can always reach us through our website at clutterfairyhouston.com. That's where everything Clutterfairy is, absolutely. All right, thanks you guys for asking all these lovely questions. Thanks for providing uh, your burning desires to know, and we will work on some more of that next week. Hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.